The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our City Commission meeting on this January 25th. I'll go ahead and call this meeting to order. Uh, if you join me for a moment of silence before moving to Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Next, we will have roll call. Commissioner Asasi. Present. Commissioner Uphart. Here. Commissioner Lanier. Present. Commissioner Jones. Here. Commissioner O'Connor. Present. Mayor Bliss. Yes, and commissioners, can I get a motion to excuse Commissioner Moody? Move. So moved. All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? It carries. All right, next that will um, take us to introduce introduction of our interpreter. Uh, so if you need interpretation services tonight, we have someone here to support you. Good evening. We're pleased to provide Spanish interpretation services this evening. This include interpretation during the meeting and for those who want to provide public comment. Buenas noches. Estamos complacidos de proveer servicios de interpretación en español esta noche. Esto incluye interpretación durante la reunión y para aquellos que quieran proveer comentario público. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, so next we'll take us to our first opportunity for public comment. We have two opportunities for public comment tonight. The first one is public comment on items that we're actually voting on tonight. So before you in the agenda, you'll see a whole host of issues uh, and agenda items that we talked about uh, earlier today or that are on ag our agenda tonight. So the first opportunity for public comment will be specific to those agenda items. And then if you're here to speak about something that's not on our agenda, I'm gonna ask you to stay put until I open up the last opportunity for public comment. Uh, so a couple things about public comment. We ask that you come forward to this podium here, that you share your name. Uh, the city that you live in will give you up to three minutes to speak. We also ask that you put your name over there on a clipboard so that it's uh, recorded accurately in our minutes. Uh, so I'll open up this first opportunity for public comment. Again, this is on agenda items. So for this uh, public comment period, we ask that you are explicit and let us know what item that you're speaking to. So is anyone here to be heard on agenda items? Hi, welcome. Hello, commissioners and mayor. Thank you for your work. We really appreciate it. I am speaking in regards to the uh, proposed development at 2080 Union. Okay. Um, and I forgot my reading glasses. Oh, that's okay. So, and if you want to start with uh, your name? Jim Norman, and I live on Union Avenue in the city of Grand Rapids. Great, Union thank Avenue you. Southeast. And having researched CLT models over the past months, it is my understanding that the core purpose of the Community Land Trust model is to revitalize disinvested neighborhoods struggling with issues such as low property values, high crime, derelict buildings, and that are seen as bad investment areas for business owners, while also creating and sustaining affordable housing. Garfield Park is not a struggling, disinvested neighborhood. Building a CLT in a neighborhood that doesn't struggle with the instability and blight a CLT is meant to address is a disservice to residents and the city as a whole. And it is incongruent with the CLT mission. Additionally, studies on the impact of CLT initiatives on the surrounding neighborhoods over a 10-year span, affirm affordable housing programs in more stable neighborhoods, drive down home values, and decrease racial diversity. While new affordable housing programs built in disinvested neighborhoods increase surrounding home values, reduce crime, and attract businesses. One, I understand the allure of this space as it is undeveloped, something that is incredibly scarce in the city of Grand Rapids. I'm sure this simplifies the process 
and likely costs less than a lot that has buildings that would have to be removed. However, the research on CLTs show the project will have a negative impact here while squandering the opportunity to significantly benefit other neighborhoods of the investment and revitalization they need and deserve. I hope our commissioners will not approve a project that, according to longitudinal research, will likely have a direct negative impact on their constituents' home values. We must address affordable housing in Grand Rapids in ways that are effective and beneficial to all. And be careful not to make poor decisions that will squander an opportunity to serve our communities that are most in need. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Hi, welcome. Hello, I'm Faith Norman. I'm a resident on Union of nearly 30 years. Tonight we stand in front of our elected representatives to implore that you consider the dwelling place proposal project from the viewpoint of the neighborhood. It is a diverse neighborhood um, in income levels, of religious beliefs, races, ages, and styles of homes that are all built between 1920 and 1960. We welcome diversity. However, the proposed structures are not, as the City Planning Commission stated at the last meeting, they're not compatible comparable in size, style, especially craftsmanship with the existing structures. Neither are they harmonious with their proposed single story, few windows, cheap looking, crammed together, alleyway like streets, sheds instead of garages. Need I go on? Yes, develop the land, but please, no, not this way. Would you recommend a single mom or your children to buy into a property where they pay an association fee like a condo, yet they only get 25% of their equity back at selling time? That's not pro promoting affordable housing. It's taking advantage of low and middle income citizens, not, not creating generational wealth. When I asked a dwelling place person if he wanted this in his yard, he would not answer me. Let's do it right. We already have low-income housing at Eastern near Wealthy, at Burton near Jefferson. Why not put this in a blighted neighborhood where there needs to be more development of this type? The City Planning Commission's Elizabeth Zeller said we should expect development, and we do. But we beg you to do it right and listen to the 120 people who signed a petition in November asking you to stop this dwelling place from going forward with this cheap politically feel-good plan. We live here. It will affect the people who live here, our stability and our home values. We purchased our home with money from hard work. I lived at the poverty level for over three years. We purchased our home not suspecting that the zoning laws would be changed on us and high-density development would be inserted into our desirable, unique, low-crime, established neighborhood. Will you help us find a real solution that actually puts low-income neighbors at a real financial advantage and lets them live in a quality home that is consistent with our neighborhood? Please look at the details. We, we beg you. Dwelling Place can't put this forward unless they have 42 homes. They said they can't get the government funding. Look at their plans. It's not what they say it is. And we ask you, please, for our neighborhood and the people who really live here and work and love our neighbors, look at their proposal. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Others who wish to be heard on agenda items? All right. Seeing no others, I'm going to close that public comment period, and that will take us to our next item, which is approval of our minutes from our last meeting. Commissioners, can I get a motion? Right. Support. All right, moved and supported. Uh, commissioners, any questions or comments or changes? All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. Next, that will take us to petitions and communications. Uh, just one communication received regarding police officers and Sandy's donuts. 
uh, is received and filed. And that will take us to reports of city officers. Comptroller's report for the period of December 29, 2021 through January 11, 2022 in the amount of $17,092,674.91. That's received and filed. And treasurer's report for the period of December 29, 2021 through January 11, 2022. That is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. So our consent agenda are items that we voted on earlier today at one of our standing committee meetings where there was a unanimous vote. So tonight with one voice vote, we'll adopt those items. Commissioners, can I get a motion? Vote. All right, moved and supported. Commissioners, any additional questions or comments? All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. All right, that will take us to our ordinances to be adopted, and we have three ordinances before us tonight. And the first one is consideration of a major amendment to the to adjust the boundary of an existing SD-PRD special district plan redevelopment district at 2080 Union Avenue Southeast. All right, can I get a motion? All right, moved and supported. Commissioner Lanier, you want to tell us about this? Thank you, Mayor. Um, <clears throat> before us, we have in, um, a consideration of a major amendment to adjust the boundaries of an existing SDPRD at 2080 Union Avenue. On um, January 11th, the City Commission established today as the day to consider this um, ma major amendment. And this amendment would adjust the boundary of the PRD to facilitate the sale and redevelopment of a portion of 2080 Union Avenue Southeast, which is currently the unimproved portion of the property for its incorporation into a new PRD. Um, as you all are aware, this item is a companion item to the next item. And so <clears throat> they've been taken in tandem. Um, this change is one change, and then the housing um, structure is a second change that's a part of the, the 42 residential units for the next item. Okay, great. Thank you, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. Commissioners, any uh, questions or comments about this item? All right. First word, Commissioner O'Connor. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Um, yeah, so I, I just I think I feel a need to speak to this. It's you know it was uh, we've, been, we've been talking about this for some time now. We've received a significant amount of feedback from uh, folks in the community, both for and opposed to this uh, this development. And you know we had previously approved this PRD uh, to allow for the Samaritas development. And again, at that, at that point in time, we had you know we had both uh, for. Uh, neighbors for and neighbors opposed to that development, and then the, since the that project had went forward, we've and I, I've heard no negative um, feedback about what what exists on the site currently. Um, you know, it's I think I have to take this whole thing in 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 the big picture context, right? Like I, we, we we know the work that Dwelling Place has done in our community for the past uh, number of years, decades, uh, and uh, you know, and they they fill a, a very important space in our community as we. As a commission, provide uh, or insist that you know affordable housing is one of our top priorities. They certainly fill uh, a very valuable uh, space in that uh, in providing housing resources to folks that might not have them. Um, you know, then I have to also have to look at you know I see uh, Mr. Derue sitting in the audience, right? Like he, uh, the new director at Dwelling Place, who has uh, I think a, a strong track record in his time at Link in providing uh, affordable housing opportunities in neighborhoods throughout Grand Rapids, especially on the in the in the southeast side in both the first and third ward predominantly, and so. Uh, you know, it's it's you know I, I understand that there are concerns about this. You know, um, I also you know as a as a you know, real estate broker and former real estate appraiser, and I've spent lots of time looking at real estate in our community and understanding and, and learning about developments. Right? There was a I give the example all the time that there was a, a project that came forward in my very own neighborhood. It was a, a 48 unit uh, apartment complex on a piece of property that was did not need a zoning change, and there was significant opposition from. Folks in my neighborhood, I live less than a half a block from this this development, and there were concerns about parking, there were concerns about traffic. I mean, I heard a ton of the very same concerns that we've heard about this project. And again, that project's now three and a half years old and been fully developed, and we've heard nothing since about the impacts that it's had on the neighborhood. I can point to no specific example in the city of Grand Rapids where a new development housing project has had a negative impact on surrounding housing prices in any neighborhood. Um, I, I can't find an example. I wish I could because I, I, maybe I don't wish I could because I don't think it has negative implications. And so I'm, I, I respect and appreciate the, the concern. There are going to be, there is going to be a, a number of new people in, in a neighborhood and in a community that, uh, that weren't there yesterday uh, when this project is done. But 
I also know that those people need a house too, that we keep talking, we need housing at every price point. And this is new, this is a completely different model than we've seen at any point in Grand Rapids, right? Like nobody has done this before. Um, and so if not here, where? Is I guess the question I have to ask myself, that there's never, in a land constrained community such as Grand Rapids that has been built out for decades, there are only so many locations where projects of this magnitude can go at this density. And I've said this for years since you asked me to chair the Affordable Housing Task Force, Mayor, Density solves some of our problems. We, we have to we have to embrace density, and it's like density is scary. Density is not what uh, what a lot of us have become accustomed to dealing with in in housing development in some of our non-core city places. But at the end of the day, density is is how you get to scale to make these projects perform on paper and actually. Uh, get to life because if, if they don't have the density, there's not enough return and so they, they get, you know, it's, it's zero. So at that point, I, just, I have to support this project because, I, you know, it's kind of, I have to, I think we as a, as a city have to kind of put our money where our mouth is and say, do we believe in density? Do we believe in affordable housing or not? And in this instance, I do. And so I have to say yes to this because it's, it's, it's paramount to, you know, how we move forward. And hopefully this proves to be a model that works and can be duplicated in other spots in our community. So. Thanks. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner Rivera? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for those comments, too, Commissioner O'Connor. Uh, and thank you to Jim and Faith for coming. Uh, this, this is your neighborhood, and, and it's important that we hear from you. And thank you for the email that you sent to us as well. Uh, I just have a couple of thoughts uh, related particularly to some of the comments that you shared, but also more particular about this project. Because, uh, you know, I've been sitting in this seat for four years, and the original proposal before Dwelling Place was involved for this parcel was um, more around 80 units in all market rate um, for that site. So this has come a long way from that point. But um, the, the couple things that I wanted to put, to, just wanted to say, is when we first started the affordable housing journey, uh, Ryan Kilpatrick stood before us and said, if you're going to achieve affordable housing in the city of Grand Rapids, no neighbor sh neighborhood should feel all of the weight of that change, but every neighborhood should feel a little bit of it. And we are building affordable housing in the disinvested parts of the community, but we also need to build it in the neighborhoods that are doing quite well. That's one of the things that, that we learned in those early days of trying to figure out how we could um, crack this nut here locally. Uh, with regards to Dwelling Place, they are one of our most trusted partners as a city, and um, I, I can think of, uh, of a couple of projects that are closer to my home that they've done where um, they, they do do a great engagement. I have a commitment from them to do three more engagement sessions with the neighbors around this, around what are, what are, these, what are the things, what's, how is it going to look, how is it going to interact with the neighborhood, and so... I'm grateful for their willingness to go and kind of go above and beyond with engagement. And, you know, to Jim and Faith's questions, this community land trust is not a perfect model. And it is, you know, and it's not as good as owning a home. It's certainly better than renting. Um, and it does, it is a mechanism that really only works in the research I've done about it in certain windows of time in the market. And uh, it does provide permanently affordable a permanently affordable solution so when again when we started that work around affordable housing we asked our partners to get innovative and so um, I'm thankful for a pro for a project that's trying something new so absolutely the, the concerns are real and um, you know I, I don't want to gloss over that fact at all um, but I do believe that this is what we've asked our affordable housing partners to, to put forward uh, they have committed to more engagement, and I do believe that the community land trust model is uh, is a third option. You know, for people who where home ownership, traditional home ownership, might not be possible, but renting, you know, they're not building any wealth or equity over the course of that project. So, um, it is a tricky situation, and uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'll just say I'm in I'm in favor of the project. Um, and just like with all the projects that we approve, we monitor and watch how it rolls out and, and, and pay attention as we make decisions in the future too. So thank you again to Jim and Faith for coming and, and sharing your thoughts. Happy to dialogue with you a little bit more after the meeting if you'd like, or we could set up a time to chat. Um, but that, I just wanted to say those couple of things, thanks. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Lanier. 
Thank you. Thank you, commissioners, both of you, for your, <clears throat> your comments. I think um, I'll pick up where you left off with some of the dialogue that we've had um, regarding um, the housing crisis that we're experiencing in our city. And I think having um, a diverse pool of housing um, across the city is exactly what we've been um, preaching um, to the community and to developers. And I think this this new model um, that we're that's being introduced into our community is one of those things so that we can um, increase ownership because I think what we were seeing with most of the large density projects was um, rental um, housing. And I think we were also hearing the feedback that ownership was critical, but we also know that not every person is ready to own. And so this is, this is another option for those who are um, kind of in the position where they may not be ready to own in a traditional sense. I think the other piece is um, the planning commission, and I'm not sure if Ms. Turkelson is here, but I know that some of, as she was presenting this a few weeks ago when the um, community development committee voted to add this to the agenda today and, and subsequently the full commission voted to do that, you know, she was sharing that um, the planning commission shared with Dwelling Place um, that they would need to go back or come back to the planning commission or to work through administrative policy to address some of the concerns about the aesthetics and the, and the appearance of the units. And um, so I was appreciative to hear that because I think that it's important that no matter what the structure looks like, um, it definitely should complement a neighborhood and not stand out in a neighborhood. So I was really pleased to hear that the Planning Commission has already um, um, put that portion into what they've shared with Dwelling Place. And um, I think we're talking about it in this public setting from this body as well to say that we are supportive of that so that we can make sure that the community has um, input into what the structures will look like on the outside. Um, and then I think, you know, what, what we probably need to do as a commission is communicate some of what you just shared, Commissioner, in a way that helps the community to not feel blindsided by this. I think we've been talking about affordable housing since I started. And, um, and we've had a number of, of bodies kind of working on this from task forces to committees and things of that nature. And maybe what we haven't done well is make sure that the public is aware of what we are suggesting as options to bring to our city. Because, you know, we've been, if we've been asking developers to come up with this type of a model, and they've come up with it, and then the community feels blindsided or surprised by it, then we haven't done our job in making sure that we are sharing enough with the community about what we're trying to create. Um, I think I'll close with, with what Commissioner O'Connor shared about being a landlocked city. So we just don't have the options um, in the city of, I think it's 17 acres, you know, where we can have those acres developed in, in any way. And I think because we're in a city where it's been built out so much, so it, you know, it becomes an optimal place um, for, for this type of a project. Um, and I, and I, I think I'll also mention, like um, Commissioner O'Connor mentioned that, you know, in my own backyard, you know, since I've been a commissioner, I've had, I think it was like 300 unit, <laughs> um, but it's a rental housing. Um, there are townhomes, and then there's also an affordable, that's market rate, and then also affordable townhomes, which were already there. And so, you know, I personally sat in meetings as a citizen, listening to um, developers share their story and what they're planning to do. And it is very challenging to, to be a part of that and not feel like you have the outcome that you're seeking. Um, but we've also heard from other residents who have a different perspective of this project and wanting to have affordable options and affordable ownership options as well. And so I think we we have some work to do on our on the communication side of what it is that we're trying to to promote um, in our city with developers. And um, but I also appreciate your feedback because it does help us to know what it is that we need to do as we're trying to communicate. And I just wanted to say thank you to Dwelling Place for 
I know you've been in a lot of meetings and, you know, and before a lot of bodies, as well as um, directly interacting with the people who live right in this space to kind of hear their feedback and making modifications. Um, and, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the, the structure will be a structure that will be later embraced um, by the people who live in the neighborhood because I do think that's of, of value. Thank you. Thanks, Commissioner. Um, I'll, I'll just make a couple comments before I call the question. Um, so, Commissioner, thank you for bringing that up. I actually watched the full Planning Commission meeting uh, when this was before our Planning Commission, and I heard the comments uh, and concerns then uh, as well. So, thank you for coming tonight. And and I also I also listened to the conversations that our Planning Commissioners had, really trying to weigh those concerns and find ways to um, work with the developer to address some of those current concerns. So, I appreciate you bringing that up tonight with a commitment from our Planning Department and the developer to do just that. Uh, and you know it's interesting. I was thinking about how long ago it was uh, that we wanted to do a community land trust in Wealthy Heights with dwelling place. I was a city commissioner at the time, and we worked really hard. Uh, I spent a lot of time learning about community land trust, really believing that it's a valuable tool. Uh, for every community to have access to and um, for a whole host of reasons that didn't come to fruition uh, and so I'm, I'm actually glad that this valuable tool is uh, being revisited uh, especially in a time like this when we know that we need to to add housing and, and the fact that this is home ownership I think is really critical as we've talked around this table so many times uh, that we need to make sure that we have those options for for families um, so with that, commissioners, I'll go ahead and call the vote. This is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Sassi. Yes. Commissioner Ruppart. Yes. Commissioner Lanier. Aye. Commissioner Jones. Yes. Commissioner O'Connor. Yes. Mayor Bliss. Yes, it carries. All right, that will take us to our second ordinance tonight. And as uh, Commissioner Lanier said, this is a companion item. Consideration of an ordinance rezoning 670 Burton Street Southeast and approximately 6.8 acres of 2080 Union Avenue Southeast to SDPRD Special District Plan Redevelopment District and to approve a, a site condominium of 42 residential units. Right. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioner Jones, you want to tell us about this? Yes, Mayor. As has been mentioned, this here is a um, consideration of an ordinance uh, to rezone 670 Burton Street southeast and approximately 6.0 acres of 2080 Union Avenue uh, to special districts planned redevelopment district and to approve a site condominium of 42 residential units. Uh, the ordinance would rezone uh, 670 Burton Street southeast from traditional neighborhood low density residential and reallocate approximately 6.8 acres of 2080 Union Avenue southeast from an existing PRD to this new SDPRD. Um, this request is intended to facilitate the construction of a new four-story office building and associated facility for Bethany Christian Services and 42 residential site condominium lots for the Dwelling Place Regional Community Land Trust on two new public streets. All right, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, commissioners, any additional questions or comments? All right, this is also a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Ruppart? Yes. Commissioner Lanier? Aye. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Sassi? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. All right, that will take us to our third ordinance to be adopted tonight. An ordinance amending Section 1 of the Budget Ordinance 2021-13 for fiscal year 2022, Amendment Number 7. So moved. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioner O'Connor from our Fiscal Committee, you want to tell us about this? Yes, thank you, Mayor. A few items on here tonight. Uh, first item is a grant from uh, the Office of Community and Corrections and the Michigan Drug Court uh, Grant Program for the Drug and Sobriety Court at our 61st District Court uh, in a, an amount of uh, uh, $408,000, which um, or the, the, excuse me, the program totals $408,000 and $61,000 in funds. Uh, item two is uh, 61st District Court uh, is receiving some coronavirus emergency supplemental grant funding uh, in the amount of $159,845. Uh, items three and four are related to uh, ARPA, the American Recovery Dollars that we got from the federal government, uh, and they are going to fix uh, two projects, uh, one uh, both through our, our mobile GR department. The first one is uh, to replace uh, stair railings at uh, our parking ramps, which have been deemed to be uh, out of compliance with ADA standards. Uh, so that will bring them into compliance and make them uh, safe again due to some deterioration. These are two of our oldest structures that we own as a city. 
uh, that are parking related, and then the second is a three hundred thousand uh, dollars ARPA for uh, a additional modernization of our parking meter program, which you see all over the city. Great, thank you, commissioners. Any questions, comments? All right, this is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Lanier. Aye. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yep. Commissioner Asasi? Yes. Commissioner Ruppart? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. And commissioners, can I give uh, can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? So moved. Support. All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right. That will take us to our last opportunity for public comment tonight. Again, this is public comment on any other item. Uh, we ask that you share your name, the city that you live in. You'll be given up to three minutes to speak. Uh, and again, we ask that you uh, put your name over there on the clipboard so that we have it accurately in the recording. All right. Is there anyone who wishes to be heard? You can come right up to the podium if you want to be heard. Later. How you doing everybody? My name is DeAndre Jones. I stay here in the city of GR. Uh, first of all, I'm a proud citizen of the city. I believe uh, it's a lot of opportunity here. It's the second worst city for economic development. And I believe where there is uh, adversity, there's also chance uh, um, to change things. And <clears throat> Just recently, uh, I was nominated for award 2022 as the Compassionate Leadership Award. Uh, and I'm a very compassionate person. I'm an extremely passionate person. Uh, and I've given a lot to the city of GR. I've given a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I can really say that I've put blood, sweat, and tears into this city. And um, it just really means a lot to be here like all of the challenges, like I really see an opportunity to potentially be one of the best cities in America, to be honest. And I truly mean that. And I'm a, I'm gonna be here for a while. And recently I've been getting back into basketball and uh, that was something that actually really helped me, you know, tell my story and it helped shape me who I am. And it helped me really develop like character. It helped me develop more integrity, it helped me develop my leadership abilities. And like, I really be getting into it. And now like the semi-pro team, uh, the GR Fusion wants me to, you know, potentially play for them or, you know, work with them. And I'm a president, I'm president of basketball operations for a youth league. And crazy thing about this award though, is if I happen to win this award, I'll be, uh, get an article in Forbes magazine again. I win an award and I'll get a podcast interview. And even if I don't win, I was one of 203 people that was nominated for this award. So I know if I keep working hard, the sky's the limit for me. And I just want to inspire people to really be compassionate and to really give your all in everything that you do, whether it's government, whether it's sports, uh, whether it's affordable housing, whether it's equity, whether it's, you know, build and uh, justice reform, whether it's criminal justice reform, give it your all. Give it everything you got every single day and stay determined and never lose your determination of what you want to do and achieve in life because I really truly believe that if you put the work out there into the universe, opportunities will come. And if I don't win the nomination, I know I can make it. I'm 27 years old. I, I know if I happen to not win this award this year, I know where I can get another Forbes article if I work hard the next year. <laughs> so that's what I mean, that I'm happy to be here because if I don't die, I still got an opportunity to change. And that can't be denied, and I won't be denied. Thank you. I appreciate it. Others wish to be heard? Good evening. Lucas Leverett, First Ward resident. I'm here to ask the commissioners to lean in on a couple of topics concerning the evaluation of finalists for GRPD chief. First, the refrain of copaganda that's repeated often by vocal pro-police crowd is the fiction that GRPD is under, underfunded. In fact, they're well over their guaranteed minimum by law. They do not have a money problem, they have a priority problem. They say they can't hire enough cops and don't have enough now, but they seem to have no end to how many costly implements of warfare they're willing to acquire. 
and they seem to be able to spare four to eight units for most traffic accidents and then allow them to stay for an hour or two on site. Evidently this is a normal clustering at Sandy's Donuts according to your agenda items tonight and the jokes write themselves but between that and these observed behaviors I'm ready to call their bluff and you should too. I came here from a city three times this size that did more with fewer cops per square mile and if other departments can make it work so can GRPD. The new chief needs to be told by this elected body and the appointed leaders to make do with what they have, prove further needs to be valid and embrace overdue change. After all, that's what we tell teachers. The other issues these candidates need to be pressed on is the pandemic. COVID-19, not gunfire, was recently disclosed to be the biggest cop killer among population who was vaccinated before the rest of us, but many refused it. We should have these three chief finalists on record stating whether they're vaccinated or not, and their views of the attitude of cops who've refused and how they'll handle such boneheaded resistance. Additionally, we need to challenge the, manip the manipulative characterization that this pandemic can be counted as an in-the-line-of-duty death when we're all exposed to this risk, often by the cops that refuse the vaccine. I know that there are those in this room that want to say, if you're critical of the police, hope you don't ever need their help. Well, that's not how this works. That would be like saying, because I had to go back to get erroneous food or coffee order fixed or deal with a rude grocery clerk that I should be refused service from now on. Nobody made them take those jobs, and with public service comes vast public scrutiny, even more if you're entrusted with deadly force. I hope this body will stand for the constituents in this room as we continue the long, painful journey of repairing hundreds of years of a broken profession. And I emailed all of you with these and more concerns. You've got mail. Thank you. Others wish to be heard? Hello, my name is Andra. I'm from Grand Rapids. I've heard you all address a couple of programs initiated from COVID relief grants for help with those who have been affected by COVID and have gotten behind on rent and or utility bills. But what I hear from the community is that they applied three months ago or more and are getting the runaround with no update in sight. This is shameful. We have millions of dollars we're sitting on for COVID relief to help people. I understand the bureaucracy of it all, but you're all giving yourself raises and you're hiring new city staff, so this is something that needs to be addressed. We need to take action. Grand Rapids is in a serious crisis. I'm tired of you pretending it's not. I'm tired of you smiling for the camera and claiming you're taking care of your residents and the issues we're currently facing when you're not. The three candidates we have to choose from for a police chief are all awful options. I've researched every candidate along with the stats and history of said police departments they're from and have also reached out directly to community members from each city. Just know that I know even if I don't speak on it. But I will say not one of them is a good fit for the city of Grand Rapids. You can make it look like you welcome public participation, but we all know Mark Washington has made up his mind already, long before the forum was offered, to give the delusion that we have democracy in this city. We don't. $54 billion police budget and our crime rate continues to soar. The police get more money each year, and yet the crime rate increases. When are you going to admit what you're doing isn't working and you're wasting our money? I can't even count how many times I've witnessed them with my own eyes harassing black or brown people. Just the other night, I was sitting next to GRPD at the light on Franklin and Division when an officer shined his spotlight on a black woman who was just walking down the sidewalk, not doing anything suspicious. I watched him circle around the block, so I'm sure he intended to target her some more. 
Commissioner Lanier suggested we become cops in order to make changes from the inside. The fact that she was serious is not only laughable, but also offensive because it shows how out of touch you are with the systemic problems and what your community has been asking from you. Defund the police. Black Lives Matter. All right, others wish to be heard. Hi, I'm Mark from Grand Rapids. I caught the tail end of this search for the new chief. And um, they had interesting ideas. But they didn't cut to the root of what we should expect from the new chief. Is the new chief going to hold the department accountable for bad actions? Is the new chief going to challenge the police unions to not put bad cops in uniform again? Is the new chief going to hire black individuals who want to be part of the police department? Is the new chief Go hire black females in the police department, which there are zero of them. Is the new chief going to be in favor of the George Floyd Justice and Reform Act to eliminate qualified immunity? Those are the questions that should have been asked and they would have to be forced to answer them. If not, it's just straight up lip service. Lip service get you beat. And we want, yes, could tell crime, but you gotta do it the right way. can be targeting individuals just because they look different. It's not going to happen. Can't happen like that. Period. Remove the name J. Edgar Hoover from the FBI Center in Washington. And remove George Wallace's name from the town of Donnamobile, Alabama. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Anyone else who wishes to be heard? All right, seeing none, I'm going to close that opportunity for public comment, and I will turn to my colleagues up here, and I'll start down here with Commissioner Jones. Thank you, Mayor. I want to begin by <clears throat> congratulation, congratulating uh, David Marquardt, who heads up our Parks and Recs Department, uh, for the approval on this morning of the Parks and Rec Strategic Master Plan. I also want to encourage all who are here, as well as those who are watching and listening, to share your feedback on the three finalists for police chief. You can do that by going to uh, grcity.us, where a survey is available until 5 o'clock on tomorrow. And I also want to state that I have full faith and confidence in our city manager and the process that he's laid out and his decision with regards to who our next police chief is. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner O'Connor? Uh, Commissioner Isasi. Thank you, Mayor, and um, thank you all for coming tonight and uh, for the briefings we had today. Uh, thank you, colleagues, for speaking about the project that we just voted on. I think um, there wasn't much more that I felt I could add, and obviously where it intersected. That's the area I grew up just a few blocks away for, for most of my life, and I think that 
you know, these are the, the ripple effects of things that we do today. We probably won't see them during our t terms here. Some of us will be gone. Um, but I really think that finding this, there is not, it's either good or bad. I think we are trying to utilize all the tools that we have to, to make affordable housing more prevalent in our city. So I wanted to speak to that. Um, I will also say I had a chance to go to the police chief forum that was here. Um, hopefully people still know that they have time to turn in any feedback electronically or to call 311. Uh, I think Thursday or this Wednesday is the deadline. Um, I want to say that um, I think the process from the moment that we heard that the chief was going to be retiring, there was a candidate profile built out. Um, there was, I know, feedback that you know, occurred from people reaching out and talking through community groups that I think we have relationships, not just because of the police chief hiring, but that's something that we seek to do all the time and, um, you know, appreciate people coming out and, and attending that. And I'll be um, watching as the city manager makes that decision. And um, I think that it's also one of those scenarios of, you know, these are people feeling like, okay, what, what else is out there? What else we can do? I think that we have to be mindful of positions like this. This is a, in some ways a limited candidate pool because of the type of job it is and some of the other realities about where people are coming from. Um, but I appreciated hearing from, from every one of the, the three candidates last week. I also want to take a moment just on something on a little bit lighter note and congratulate our colleague, um, Commissioner Sunita Lanier, uh, on her award on MLK Day from the Urban League for the uh, as one of the 2022 Paul I. Phillips Presidential Legacy Award winners. Um, <laughs> I think that sometimes... We forget that we are living through history. We saw that this year with our March committee, some other things that you all have been involved with, and certainly Commissioner Lanier being the first African-American woman elected to this commission not all that long ago in 2013. So I want to say congratulations, salute to you. Um, you stand in this good history as Mr. Paul I. Phillips was the first um, African-American elected official in the city on the Grand Rapids Charter Commission. Got it right. And um, just thank you for all you do in our community. Have a good evening. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Rappard. Thanks, Mayor. Thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. Um, I'm happy to stick around and have a conversation as well. And I will say this. If you haven't, if you didn't get a chance to come to hear the three candidates for police chief, it is still available to watch online. I was in quarantine, so that's the way I had to take it in. But if you wanted to hear what they had to say, it's... It's a long video, but there's certain parts that you can skip forward a little bit on it. But uh, you can go and look at it. And again, the feedback's due by 5 o'clock tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner Leonard? I'll be brief, Mayor. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner, for um, acknowledging the recognition. And thanks to all who came out tonight and sharing their feedback. Um, I, too, am, you know, willing to stay and to have more dialogue surrounding the development um, project there on um, 2080 Union 670 um, Burton. Um, but I'm very appreciative of, of the remarks that were made and um, I think some really good, more feedback, I think, city manager, regarding the um, police chief search. And, um, and then DeAndre, where um, hopefully you'll get that award. Um, but, you know, I, I, what I will say is, you know, your, um, when you mentioned your basketball skills, it reminded me of our team. Did it remind you of our team? It reminded me of our team when we played just before the pandemic um, against um, Reverend Jerry Bishop's team um, in our kind of community um, basketball challenge. And it also reminded me of when you and your, when the organization you were affiliated with won the safe pitch night and the work that you've been doing in this community. So I'm hopeful that you are that you, I think the nomination, as you put it, um, is still something to be grateful for, but I'm hopeful that you'll also get selected for that award. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, City Clerk. I don't know if I'm quite ready to hoop it up yet, but again, but um, that, was, that was a good game and a good event, and um, looking forward to when we can do those events again. Um, just a, a note from the clerk's office. Um, this is the last week for, with the, at the City of Grand Rapids for Deputy Clerk uh, Stephanie McMillan. Um, she's going to be going on to um, Network 180 starting next week. And um, she spent seven years here with the City of Grand Rapids, 23 years in um, 
in the clerking profession. She has been one of the um, go-to people um, and has served um, the Kent County Clerks, the West Michigan Clerks Association, and the Michigan Association of Municipal Clerks. Um, she was one of the reasons why I knew coming here to City of Grand Rapids as the clerk that we were in good hands with a deputy clerk who is who is more than capable to be the city clerk. Um, she she would be a good clerk about anywhere. Um, so I wish her well um, in her new adventures and we the posting is out there for deputy clerks. So we'll be working on that over the next month or two. Daniel Kwame will be in the acting position. Um, so as we're getting ready for a 2022 election and all the um, redistricting and the stuff that will go with that. So um, I've been very fortunate over my um, tenure of clerk here and at Byron Township to have fantastic deputies. And it just makes the work easier when you have those people that you trust and can lean on. So thanks, Stephanie, for all work you have done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, City Attorney, City Manager. Thank you, Mayor, uh, and thank you, Commissioners, for your work tonight. I think I just heard Joel say he was going to show me how to do an open, transparent search process for the deputy city clerk. Is that <laughs> I say that a little tongue-in-cheek because unlike any of the 1,600 positions that we have here at the city, uh, the police chief certainly is very uh, visible among community, and for that reason, we do offer a very transparent process, both for recruitment and selection to the degree possible, as we still have to uh, respect uh, some of the candidates' uh, rights as they're, they're searching for a job. But I do appreciate the public in coming out uh, last week in your participation, even this week, providing feedback. Uh, it is one decision I do not take lightly. I uh, have not had a preconceived notion bringing the candidates in. I would have never wasted their time nor your time doing that. Uh, and so uh, I appreciate uh, the deliberation that other community members have provided, both who participate in community panels and other groups that had a chance to meet uh, some of the candidates from uh, clergy to neighborhood-based organizations to nonprofit organizations and other individual leaders in the community. Thank you all for your feedback. Uh, I, too, want to congratulate Stephanie and her uh, future endeavors, as well as uh, Jordan Eatman this morning. He and Stacy Stout had an opportunity to give an update to the, the uh, City Commission on the 2021 Neighborhood Summit and its uh, its uh, outcomes and engagement. And I appreciate that work and want to congratulate Mr. Eatman in his new endeavor as uh, Vice President of Experience Grand Rapids. So, um, and as well as all the staff who continue to uh, do good work along with our community partners to make uh, Grand Rapids what it is today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, City Manager. And I'll, I'll end just on a, a couple things. Uh, so I, I was thinking about this today. Uh, this is, since I've been around this table, this is the fourth police chief search that I have watched happen. Uh, I say watch because we all know that it is uh, a position that reports to our city manager and the decision is made ultimately by our city manager. And so I just want to take this moment to thank the city manager for really leading a thoughtful process uh, that provided ample opportunity for public engagement uh, at a number of points throughout the process. And, and I do believe that we have three strong candidates before us. Uh, and I appreciate everyone who has weighed in. I've heard from quite a few community members. Uh, I will repeat what Commissioner Repart said that um, the video is still out there of the community forum. I encourage you to watch it if you haven't uh, and provide feedback. Uh, before that opportunity closes. Uh, and then I also want to just highlight uh, and thank our uh, commissioners who serve on the appointments committee. Uh, this morning we were able to move forward some of the appointees to the affordable housing fund. Again, as we talk about affordable housing, there's a number of priorities that we have laid out and we're using a number of tools to try to move forward and meet the needs in our community. Uh, so it'll, I'm eager to have that uh, up and uh, decisions being made. 
Uh, another thing we voted on today was additional uh, support and funding to move forward with design for the MLK Park Lodge. So uh, to our third ward commissioners who've worked on that, I was really eager and happy to see that move forward. And then I too was at the MLK breakfast and Commissioner Isasi stole my thunder. I was gonna congratulate our, our colleague, uh, Commissioner Lanier. Congratulations, uh, it was nice to see you and your work highlighted at that really important breakfast. So congratulations uh, and with that we're adjourned. Thank you.